HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. For more information, visit mofad.org. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, October 24th. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find my work and me as at wordsfoodart.com. I'm 35, straight, and single. And I'm your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am an actor, writer, musician, and occasional bartender and server. You can check me out at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 34, straight, and in a relationship. Benny, I'm really excited for today. Can you tell how excited I am? Yeah, you've got that cheesy little grin on your face. I do have a cheesy little grin on my face. Um, today is number two of our Other World series. Last week we mentioned that we had Ophira Edith coming in from the Astro Twins. That is being postponed for a couple of weeks. Instead, I am really excited about today's show. We have Sasha Graham coming on. She is the tarot diva and we are pulling her in for the entire show to speak with us. We are flipping our format a little bit Benjamin. Making some extra time. Making some extra sexy time because uh, we're going to take this segment of us talking and bitching to each other about our love lives and give it to the tarot cards, which I think is a brilliant idea on my part. What do you think about that? Well, I think especially with, you know, Halloween coming up. Especially with Halloween coming up and especially because this means I cannot talk about the fact that I'm still dating three people. You are such a player. <laughs> no. You're like, I, I love how you like brought it. Like, I'm not going to talk about the fact that I'm dating three people. Like, you have to like throw it out there. Like, you want to talk about it. No, let's I don't. Be on, let's be honest. You want to talk about it. Because otherwise you wouldn't have brought it up at all, would you? I could have talked about it, but I'm not going to talk about it. Um, so, yeah. So, we're going we're gonna to switch things up and bring her right in. So, why, why don't you do that? Why don't you introduce her for us? Sasha Graham is the author of Llewellyn's Terra Diva, 365 tarot spreads and 365 tarot spells as well as a contributing writer and editor to a whole host of books magazines and websites 
She got her B.A. in literature and religion at Hunter College and has worked as a private tarot reader as well as a producer of events for the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Morgan Library, and the Tarot Outreach Program, which helps kids transitioning out of the foster care system use tarot and symbol as the igniting point of nurturing personal intuition to regain trust, stability, and security. Oh, it's foster care. That was my fault. I, I missed a, a letter. Foster care system used to... I wrote a bad sentence. I'm I, sorry. I got it. I, you did. I I can reread your I know, I can't inane ramblings. <laughs> Don't worry. That's why you read that paragraph like, and not me today. foster our system. Like, what I, why, this, is why, this will play into the question I'm going to ask Sasha in the cards later. Welcome to the show, Sasha. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be here. So we're gonna, we have lots of questions to ask you about what you do and where it comes from. From. So um, in your in one of your books, 365 Tarot Spells, you describe tarot as a metaphysical machine that has sprung from the human consciousness. I think a lot of people don't exactly know what tarot, where tarot reading comes from, where mm-hmm. the system of tarot cards are, come from. So to get to completely to the basics, how would you describe the tarot to people who don't know of its origins? So, so nobody actually really knows where the first tarot deck comes from as far as historians can trace it back to 15th century Italy. And it was originally a card game played in Italian in, in, in taverns by Italian nobles. And you know, humans are famous for using everything for divination, from clouds to cards to stones to bones. So it was just a matter of time before they'd pick up the tarot and start telling fortunes with it. So it's not from this ancient, it's not from an ancient religion that was passed down. It was more from... No, no, but it does stem from the ancient, very human desire to understand oneself and one's place in the universe. And so looking outward, you know, divination is as, as old as humanity itself. What about your personal relationship with tarot? Where does that stem from? Oh, God, I love the cards. I'm a Halloween baby. And and that pretty much explains it all. I mean, I was born thinking that I should automatically know how to read the cards, you know. And I was in middle school when I got my first deck, and I opened the pack so excited to read them. And I didn't know what a single thing meant. I was completely overwhelmed. And then a born-again Christian friend of my sister's burned them and said they were the work <gasps> of the devil. Oh, really? wow. Yeah, so... Aww. So I was I I love that my life's work is understanding the cards is teaching people how to use them for personal empowerment and for fun. Um, I love tarot. Did that did that leave a lasting impression on you as far as um, how you speak to people about tarot? Because I find a lot. I mean, a lot of people. I could see it being a common thing for people of a cer- of certain religions to be afraid of them, to think that it's witchcraft and that it's dark magic or however however they want to judge tarot reading. Absolutely. They could judge it. So has that changed how you speak to people when you well, when you talk about tarot? Yes, because you never know what somebody's bringing to the table. To, to be literal, uh, when it comes to tarot because they may come from you know, a fabulous sort of hippie mom who grew up with the cards and thinks they're all fantastic, or they might have had a terrifying experience with a psychic once who told them something awful. They may have seen tarot in a film and think the devil card or the, the death card means they're literally going to die. So so you never know what people's preconceptions are when they approach you. So it's my job to be as gentle and as informative as possible. What about to a skeptic who thinks it's all silly, fake magic kind of 
thing? What do you say to them? Well, you know, and of course, skeptics are entitled to their opinions. Uh, as a reader, there's nothing more fun, I think, and it's not just for me, for a lot of my friends as well, when a skeptic sits down at the table and is like, yeah, come on, show me what you got. And you wind up blowing them away sometimes. And it's a fabulous moment to see that, to see their eyes grow big and grow wide. And then they freak out a little and then they try to explain it away. Well, do you think that there is something otherworldly or spiritual about the cards themselves? Or do you think that they are a psychological tool that we can apply meaning and and meditation to them? Like, where, what's your personal background as to what they actually are? I mean, I think they're absolutely both. They're all of those things, right? Uh, you can use the card in any way. If you want to allow a space for spirituality to come in, to for entities to come in, if that's something that's in your ethos, then you're more than welcome to do that. I mean, each card... Each reading is up to the individual person who has the card. So if that's something you'd like to embrace, by all means, it's something that that you can. And it's something that I that I certainly do. Um, when you're working with the tarot, what you're really doing is embracing the creative imagination. You know, and it's that same imagination. It's that same creative space where a painter goes, where a poet goes, where an actor goes. Um, and it's all right there for you. And it's just an opportunity for you to sort of open up and become like a homing beacon to these great messages that are flying around. You know, I love that idea of messages flying around, but that's, you know, my brain. Um, <laughs> so what is, is there something about the way the tarot is looked at that um, any preconceived judgments or misconceptions that people come at with you that you want to clarify, like the tarot is not this that you feel like people judge you for that you just want to clarify this is what the tarot is not well i, d I don't feel judged and <clears throat> even if i was i really i wouldn't care um but yeah. but for from from my point of view the thing that 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 bothers me the most or that I want most people to know is not to approach the cards with fear. Uh, it's not the cards that would ever do damage. It's the person reading the cards, right? So if you ever go to any kind of a psychic, and it doesn't matter whether it's a tarot card reader or an intuitive, you want to know who you're sitting down with before you're getting the information, right? I, mean, I don't use tarot literally. I don't think, th I mean, the death card does not predict actual death. I would have been dead a hundred million times over by now <laughs> for as many times as it's come up to me. But I think that what people have to understand, it's the person sitting behind the tool, the person doing the divining. That's what you have to investigate before you open yourself up to any kind of, of reading. Because as someone who goes for a reading, you put yourself in a very open, very receptive place, and words have power. I mean, it's interesting because we were talking before the show, even just a little bit, going over some things that we might talk about today, and the relationship between myself, who was speaking with you, and you, the reader, felt very much like the relationship between me and my therapist. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so there's got to be a safety, a, a level of comfort and trust, I Ab imagine. Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of the most wonderful things that happens, especially when you're, you know, you have a relationship with a good reader and you can sit down for a nice good deal of time. You know, when someone sits in front of a psychic, they really feel seen. Right. And I was thinking about how this really applies to love as well. Like what happens when we're in that space of complete passion and ecstasy and love is we feel completely seen, completely bare. Everything drops away and somebody else is able to recognize us for who we really are. That same thing will happen in a tarot reading or in a psychic reading. And it can be the most profoundly beautiful, wonderful thing when you're with the right person and incredibly life-affirming. 
Speaking of love, which is what we like to talk about on this show, I'm curious if you could share with us, like, what in relationship to our love lives is tarot good for? Like, what's the best thing to come to tarot for in regard to love? And what is tarot maybe not so helpful at sort of discerning for us in our love lives? It, it, it's, it's actually so fantastic, right, uh, to use tarot in regard to love. Because what's the number one thing that I, you, any, any of us are interested in? What's the number one topic with anybody I sit down with? You know, nine times out of ten, a love question is the first thing out of your mouth. So what tarot teaches us how to do when we work with tarot on a regular basis is that it teaches us how to ask really good questions, right? So we want to st- off the bat say, okay, our destiny is not not written in the stars. We are all pioneers of, of the forces of our life. So when we start to ask love questions, we want to be asking really empowering questions that puts the power back with us. You know, you can, it, you can only sit with a tarot deck and ask, is he thinking about me right now? So many times, <laughs> you know, it's not like a little magic eight ball that, you know, is that what they are? The little thing where you highly questionable. Little, yeah. <laughs> ask another time. <laughs> try again later. <laughs> try, that's yes. it. Yeah. Try again later. <laughs> exactly. So, and, 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 and even if you do get that answer, you want to stay in that space, right? I, you know, sometimes it happens with friends and family. They'll be like totally obsessed with someone and all they want to do is come and sit with me for an hour and just because it, they want to talk to the cards because it's an excuse for them to keep talking about the relationship. Yeah. They're not looking for clarity. They're not even looking for advice. They just want to be able to talk about that person. And I, I certainly understand that. Uh, but when you're using the cards for for a really a serious way of approaching a relationship and it's, you know, we never stop learning how to love. So I've been married for over 25 years and I still go to the cards and I still am learning how to love and, and be a better partner. And the cards are helpful because, you know, they pull focus out of your head and they put it on, it it goes on the table in front of you. Is there, you had mentioned before that when people come for a reading, they're really coming in sort of trusting you and and you and they're, their whole self is being seen. Mm -hmm. But I also would assume that especially with questions of love, there's a huge amount of vulnerability that they're bringing as well. Is there ever sort of, do you feel as a reader, um, ever sort of a danger point or that you're unsure or scared about what you could be sharing with them, the insight, when you see people who are feeling vulnerable or unsure or scared or sad or despondent about something in their love lives that Mm -hmm. must feel like a lot of responsibility sometimes? It does. It does. You know, and I vet, I vet my clients, you know, I would never just meet with somebody for an hour coldly. You know, I always, I always chit chat with them in the beginning to make sure that we're the right fit. I don't want to waste their time. They don't want to waste my time. So if someone's in a a place of desperation, it's usually fairly obvious. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, I'm probably not the reader for you. Um, and you know, that being said, I think that the people that, that come and sit down with me, um, are, are taking a stand and, and are somewhere, even if they are so sad and vulnerable, ready to take action, ready to find out what is the thing to do. So it ultimately, even amid the emotion becomes an optimistic experience. What is it like? How do you know when you've had a really successful reading? What does the person who's come in for the reading walk away with? Oh, how do I know it? You know, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's incredibly hard to read people um, and to know if if you've touched them at all. And then they'll reach reach out after the fact. And and you know something you said hit home with them and was was incredibly profound. Um, You know, I hope that people walk away. Uh, you know, they, 
it's a funny thing. Most people, if they sit down even for an hour reading, you know, six months after the fact, will only remember maybe two or three things mm. that was gone over. And I think that that's okay because we can only focus on one or two things anyway in our lives. So if I can give someone hope, if I can confirm uh, the life path that they're on, confirm their own intuition, um, and and if I can make them realize how special they are, I think that that's the biggest gift for me. Um, reading tarot is like being a sociologist, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're a millionaire or a model or, you know, a maid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we all want the same things and it's a humbling thing to experience time and time again. So mm -hmm. I feel blessed. Before we take a break, I want to switch up the conversation uh, quickly because in another one of your books, Tarot Diva, mm -hmm. you have a chapter called Kitchen Tarot, yes, which I love, um, which takes the first 10 cards of the Major Arcana and it pairs them with recipes. So first it breaks down each card with a description of the personality of that card. So like what the kitchen is like, what the cooking and eating habits are of this card. And there's really fun little personality tests that match up. And then there's a recipe for each. So with this chapter... What do you think is the advantage of sort of invoking the cards like when you're cooking? Like what does it do for your kitchen and what does it do for your relationship with your understanding of the tarot when you do this? It's, it's such an extraordinary thing to do because, you know, as a wine connoisseur, what do you want to do when, when you're learning to love wine? You want to keep expanding that boundary. You want to cultivate that. You want it to become bigger and to become richer. And certainly when you're first learning how to read the tarot, just like I felt when I was 12 and unpacked that deck of cards and was so overwhelmed, I wanted to make give a fun avenue, a fun and different, unique way into the cards because so much of it's memorization. And that's boring. So why not take a look at how the empress would, would cook and what her kitchen would look like? And then taking it a step further, right, to cook uh, meaningfully with the intention uh, to cook symbolically. And to, I have to tell you, it's changed the way that, you know, I poach an egg in the morning because I realize an egg is the symbol of of the universe, of the sun, of a cell and its opportunity. It's the fool card every time I break into the yoke Aww. in the morning. So I think that tarot at its best should be experiential. Ancient mystery schools, the uh, European mystery schools, uh, like the Golden Dawn, you couldn't be told a mystery. You had to experience it. You can't be told what an, initiation, an, an initiation is like. You, you have to travel it. You, you have to feel it and taste it and see it and smell it. And tarot is exactly the same way, exactly the same way. So I think cooking is a very enjoyable way into tarot and I encourage everyone to do it. Wonderful. Well, listeners, uh, you can get involved in that aspect. You can, first of all, obviously buy the book Tarot Diva, but then also by the end of our show today on our website, lovebitesradio.com, um, Sasha has graciously shared the Lover's French Onion Soup recipe, so I you'll be able French to stay, well, you'll be able to get the recipe very soon on lovebitesradio.com, which has the story behind, like, you know, the Lover's personality and what that kitchen is like and sort of when to cook this type of food and the recipe itself. And then on her website, SashaGram.com, she's got a bunch of, she's under her Magic Kitchen page, she has videos as well, which is really fun, like the molten lava cake for one, for that was the fool, right, I think? Uh, no, I think no, it was the, the, nine of, the, the Nine of Pentacles. I don't know why, I'm like, I'm obsessed with the fool today, where there's probably backstory Because you there. a fool, girl. Because I'm a fool. Um, but yeah, so definitely please check out SashaGram.com and our website, and Benny, why don't you bring us into a commercial, we'll be right back. We are going to take a break, and when we come back... We will be asking Sasha to read our cards for us as it as they pertain to 
our current dating issues. So stay tuned after that for the break. After that, next week, we are continuing our Other World series when dancer Velvetina Taylor joins to share how she moves in the dark and steamy world of burlesque. She's performing tonight at the Jazz House at the Hofbrau Beer House here in New York City. And you can find out more at VelvetinaTaylor.com and on her Facebook and Instagram pages. It's going to be a really fun Halloween show, so we hope you join us for that. Also, Jacqueline has been Instagramming <laughs> some really weird online dating messages I recently. Up this morning, guys. Just please go to our Instagram page and look at it. It's such a weird message. Yes. So even though she's dating three guys right now, she is still uh, open to receiving uh, some OK Cupid messages. But I mean, from you, too. You don't have to send them to me. I mean, like, send them to us. Send your weird OK Cupid messages to us. Yes, well, yes, do that. But I'm just saying that, Jacqueline, you're still, you haven't shut off the uh, dating app yet. It's not serious. Anyway, so yes, we do want to hear your dating stories. So tweet them to us, Instagram them to us, send them our way. We will be back after this break with more of Sasha Graham. Music for this commercial break is brought to you by Taxstar. And this track is called Vicodin Dreams. There are over 50,000 Chinese-American restaurants in the U.S. That's more than three times the number of McDonald's. How did Chinese-American food become so popular? And what's the story behind their unique menu of dishes like egg rolls and General's chicken? Brooklyn's Museum of Food and Drink is going to explain it all with our next exhibition, Chow, the Making of Chinese-American Cuisine, featuring tastings, beautiful artifacts, and live demos of a fortune cookie machine. Visit chow.mofad.org to learn more, get advanced tickets, and help us make this exhibition a reality. Again, that's the Museum of Food and Drink at C-H-O-W, chow.mofad.org. We are back with Sasha Graham, the tarot diva. And um, before you flip a card for a very nervous Ben and I, we're both sitting here with our hands between our legs. (laughs) I just realized we're both sitting here in the exact same position. (laughs) I think we're feeling a little vulnerable right now about to do this. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But so before we do that, to stall for a minute, um, one of the blog posts you have on your site is about how to ask a good question for the tarot. So why don't you explain to our readers how, when you're sitting down for a reading, how to ask a question. It's so important phrasing a really good question, and and not only with tarot. I mean, this 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 comes with over your morning coffee when you're contemplating something in your own meditative space. Why do you want to phrase a really good question? Because when you do that, what you actually do is trick your mind into finding the right answer because your mind will inadvertently connect the dots after your sentence. So you never want to ask a question that that doesn't give you any kind of an out. You want to, you never want to ask something like, oh, well, you know, will I ever fall in love? Hmm. What kind of an answer are you going to get from the cards anyway? And if the answer is no, you're not going to be satisfied with that. You, you don't want to hear that. So you want to formulate something proactive. What can I do to attract the best possible relationship into my life right now? What can I give to my partner um, to, to show up better for them. These are the kinds of questions where you can take action on the answer that really help us in our lives with tarot or just in regular everyday life. How specific should you get? 
Well, when you're reading cards for yourself, super hyper specific. Okay. Um, it can being vague isn't a terrible thing to do with a card reader. Um, it doesn't it, it doesn't really matter. Right. It's up to you. Well, let's start with Ben and put this into practice. Okay. Benjamin, why don't you explain the basis of your situation and then Sasha can help you formulate it into a question. Okay, so a lot of my struggles in life um, stem from my desire for um, a, a sort of perfect internal experience, uh, sort of a, like, for certainty, a real desire for certainty in my life. Um, and also I... In my relationship, I have a real desire to feel like I'm being completely honest and fully honest with my partner um, so that I can feel like I have been totally forthcoming and upfront on everything about how I feel. And that's, you know, I've got nothing to feel like I'm hiding anything. I can't be held to the task later. You know, my feet can't be held to the fire later for anything. Um, and also, I changed my idea for my question because earlier in our first segment, you were saying you go to the cards to ask how you can be a better partner. Mm -hmm. And so my question is about that. Um, I, like I said, feel like I need to be honest all the time with my partner, very honest. And sometimes I say hurtful things mm -hmm. as a result of that. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess my question is, how can I learn to feel as though I'm being honest enough and being not holding anything back, not lying, but also maybe not be hurtful at the same time. You know, and th that's a great question. It's something I think a lot of us would benefit from asking, right? Because there is always that safety zone, right, of, of being completely forthcoming. Um, well, hey, I wasn't holding anything back. I'm being totally honest with you. But you do have to be careful and vet what you say when your words very much have an impact on someone else. It's a really fantastic question, not only for you, for anybody listening. Uh, and I would rephrase it for the tarot, um, which would answer this in a really specific way. Um, how can I best communicate with uh, my lover um, and with others in a way that serves me, but also serves their highest good, right? That comes from a place of love. Um, how does that sound to you? That sounds great. Okay. So we're going to shuffle the deck and we're just going to pull a single card. What deck is this? I'm using the traditional Rider Waite Smith tarot. This is the the tarot deck you may have seen in movies and films. It's the number one selling deck that that most people are familiar with, and uh, I love it. After all these years, I still love it. So your answer is, you've got the Ace of Wands reversed, which is really interesting. And what what that. The Ace of Wands represents this rush of passion, right? This this rush of excitement. Wands are, are, are everything that we're excited about. And I think that what you need to keep in mind for yourself when you're communicating uh, is, is, is to monitor yourself when you feel yourself worked up. Just the same way we say anything in a, in a fight or a confrontation that we you know, wish we could take back. Um, Remember that there's somebody on the other end, on the receiving end of your passion, and and don't be afraid to hold back sometimes. Just because it's occurred to your mind doesn't mean you need to blurt it out, you know? Uh, so there's this idea of hesitation. And if, if something's coming up in your mind where you think this, this could be hurtful, maybe I'm treading on that dangerous ground, um, just pause you know, I was told as a reader uh, at the tarot school where I studied, 
You don't have to start talking the minute you flip a card. Wait, let it sink in. And the same thing happens in our relationships and in communication. Um, Wait, wait for the right words to come to you. Thank you. So from a reading perspective, if that if the Ace of Wands were not reversed, it would be encouraging you to to rush and to move forward. But because it's reversed, it's 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 encouraging you to sort of pull back a little bit and to not rush forward. Yes, yes. Just to clarify. And what you're talking about is the reversal of a card. And traditionally, when you read tarot, if a card comes up reversed, usually it the first thing that people kind of understand it as being is the opposite uh, of the original card. And for me. It it varies from card to card and situation to situation, but especially the way this came up in the context of your question, it was the idea of, of, of sometimes, uh, uh, foregoing some of the passion that you're feeling and the, and the vigor to get, to express yourself, to just slow down, to just pause like, like a horse, like, you know, easy boy, easy. Yeah. I mean, that's a struggle for me because I, I mean, I do feel like if I don't express what I'm feeling, then I'm see that to me, I hold myself like I'm a liar or Mm -hmm. I'm like not being, I actually feel like I know that I'm sometimes being hurtful when I say things, but I also feel like who am I to not allow my partner to know the truth, to decide that what I have to say is like too much for them to handle. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, does this does this issue bleed over into other relationships in your life? Um, I think it's most prominent in my romantic relationships uh, because I have fears of hurting people, fear of hurting my lover, um, and so that I want to make sure I'm being. Completely, totally, completely transparent as possible. Exactly. At all times. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately that you're right, that, that it doesn't necessarily serve me all the time in the way that I want it to. And that in fact, like it probably is more affecting my own internal, um, I don't know what to call it. My energetic reserves yeah. and sense of self. Yeah, exactly. Than like actually doing the thing that I want it to be doing. It's more compulsive probably and more um, yeah. sort of self-serving than it is actually doing the thing that I want it to be doing, which is helping my partner. Right, right. And it's interesting too, because you began, you began, uh, we began this conversation and, and you, you stated, you know, I want certainty. I just, I, I need, I need certainty. Um, but you do know that there's only one thing in this life that we are all certain of, and it is in the tarot deck. Death is that? Yeah. 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 That's great. So I think while we can appreciate that, that's something that, that you desire and certainly lots of us do, I think it also might, um, it might be worth really understanding that, that, that might never be possible. Yeah. That's something I've been, that actually multiple guests have kind of, I've learned that lesson from multiple guests on this show. It's a recurring theme. theme So yes. So thank you for hammering that nail in one more time for me. I appreciate it. The deck is confirming it. Jacqueline, why don't uh, you take a turn? Okay. So my, uh, so listeners of the show, the past couple of weeks where the past year, you know that I have a chronic illness and a couple months ago, it was like a light switched and I'm having a lot of neurological issues. Mm -hmm. And so words are not connecting well my writing work is suffering and it's a difficult thing to do in the early stages of dating because sometimes like I have another date tonight and especially by evening, 
it's really hard sometimes to carry a conversation up to the level that I would like to be able to carry it as an intelligent sort of like, I'd like to be a cultured human being. Yes. And, um, and the, and once my energy is gone, I, I suffer for it. So just being out and doing the radio show and being social and going to work and dating, it's a lot harder right now than I want it to be. So my struggle is how to feel comfortable while I'm getting to know these gentlemen, particularly one that I'm going on a fourth date with that I'm really getting to know mm-hmm. when I'm not feeling when I'm feeling a little bit anxiety of anxiety around it, because I'm not feeling at my best and I'm feeling a little bit more self-conscious and a little bit more anxious mm-hmm. because my brain is not under my control right now. So mm-hmm. my question is how can I better feel calm and confident so that I can be the best that you, me that I can be despite the fact that I can't control my pain levels or my energy or what's happening in my brain until I figure out what's happening with my illness. What's going on? So I don't know how to formulate that into a tight question, but it really is about calming my anxiety and my, yeah. and my confusion so that I can be the best me I can in this body while I'm getting to know this new romantic partner. These new people. Um, such a good question. And I so appreciate everything that, that you're dealing with right now and your Thank honesty you. about it. Um, cause that can't be easy. It's not, it's very hard and it's, it's something that I'm, I'm in a good mood about it today, but it's been a really big struggle the past couple of weeks. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's interesting too. I think, you know, uh, the things that come up for us in our lifetime, something as, as pointed as this, where you're a wordsmith, you know, this yeah, that's is your scary. <laughs> life and your passion. So for something yeah. to strike so deeply at the heart of that, very scary, I would, I just, you know, hats off. Hats and the man I'm dating you. is a writer too. So it's very scary too, to be dating a writer and not be able to write right now. <laughs> one of the men you're dating. <laughs> one of the men <laughs> One of the three. One of the three. <laughs> yeah. So, um, even, you know, there's so much packed in to that question. But once again, this is where the tarot really can come to our aid because with all of that, what you'd like is something to keep sort of at the forepoint of your consciousness when you start to feel like you're slipping into self-doubt or pain or denial or just feeling vulnerable at all. We'll go ahead and we'll pull a card and I'm going to find... One message, one image, one symbol, perhaps, mm-hmm. that, that you can keep um, in mind and, and kind of keep it there like a safe harbor so that at least... That'd be very helpful. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and shuffle. I'm actually going to fan the cards. Okay. And I'd like you to pull one card for I me. I always get nervous about this because I always feel like maybe I'm not going to... Just, you'll, you'll pick the right one. And the card you chose. Oh, is the Knight of Swords, which is so applicable for this situation because swords and tarot represent the intellect and articulation and communication. So it's really all about the way we, we articulate ourselves in the world. The Knight of Swords is very fast, very quick, very romantic. Knights always represent romance. So I love that that came up for your question. So the image that you want to keep in mind right now is actually, I don't know if you can see the card. He's wearing this beautiful Mm. steel coat of armor. 
And I want you to feel yourself ensconced in armor and feel the wind on your face and feel what this character is feeling in this card because you are protected. You know, you would not be having this experience if it weren't something that you are ready to deal with and that you're going to learn a lot from. So just know that you're always doing the best that you possibly can and that you're protected no matter what. And if some fellow that you go on a date with can't see that, well, you know, to be like the dad in 16 Candles, that's his loss. <laughs> that's his loss. So I want you to I want you to keep the idea of the of the night of that protective of that cold, sharp steel. And the reason that it's cold is because it's precise and it's direct and it is intellectual and it is yours and it is your sword and you will continue to carry it and you're going to be fine because you're a fighter and that's what the Knights of Tarot are. That's really fabulous. <laughs> that's really, you are wonderful, Zasha. Thank you. You're wonderful. Thank that's you. That's going to make me feel very strong and very and very uh, loved. Thank you. That was readers, that uh, listeners. That was pretty badass, wasn't it? How do you feel, Ben? I feel good. I, feel good. I mean, it's a very emotional. <laughs> it is a very emotional, like loving, warm right. room right now. And that was only one card each. That was powerful shit. Thank you, Sasha. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you. Um, so that's our. I feel it feels funny just to end the show on that. Um, well, I mean, tough to top that note. As exactly. Well. So exactly. Why not end on a high? Unless Sasha, you have anything you want to share with us today? Uh, just thank you so much for being here, having me here, and and happy Halloween. And I hope anybody who's happy listening, birthday too. Yes. Thank you. I'm on so excited. Monday. Yay! That's a fun birthday to have. Yeah, it's awesome. It's mm. awesome. But I hope that that people who have ever been maybe been curious about tarot will go out and pick up a deck. You know, it can change your life. Well, and also listeners. I mean, she has three books, and they are very. I'm very excited to have them now because they do give you a lot of avenues for exploring and playing and and having a creative approach to learning about the tarot deck and so i'm excited to to delve into them more thoroughly as well yeah i was really my big takeaway from today is i'm amazed by the way as someone who i didn't say it but i was I'm a little bit of a skeptic i have to <laughs> say i was amazed by the way the tarot really um sort of opened up a line into my examination of myself and, you know, it like I watched you examine Jackie, Jacqueline and just really like it, their images and the ideas really open up our own imaginations, as you said, mm-hmm. um, to, um, created a really great space for self-awareness and self-examination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And possibility and possibility. And yeah. And damn yeah, self-possession too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on Sasha. We really appreciate it. Uh, listeners, that is our show for today. You can find out more information about Sasha's work on our website, lovebitesradio.com and on sashagram.com. And also that re- that recipe is on our site right now. Um, that is our show. Come back next week as we explore the world of burlesque with Velvetina Taylor. More about that is coming on our website soon as well. Until then, thanks always to our engineer, Pierre. Our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion. And we are Ben Rosenblatt and Jack. Ben, I don't know why I almost did it. Ben Rosenblatt and Jacqueline Raposa. We will be back right here at the same time next week at heritageradionetwork.org Later
for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.